Hello, hello, friends, and welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Kuchina Aurora Kitchen Witchery Podcast in our series, Conversational Witchcraft. Um, just ridiculously excited tonight for many reasons. Uh, first of all, I have my lovely hubs, Justin, with me, um, and he doesn't always get to hang out with me on these calls uh, and these interviews, but tonight he is here. So if you enjoyed the first series, Recipes for Romance, you'll be familiar with Justin and me and our crazy ass banter and so i'm super happy to have him hello sweetie hi hello sweetie <laughs> um also for those of you who don't know our intro music was written by the amazing justin hunt um yeah it's pretty good and you're pretty great so yeah thank you yeah no thank you <laughs> um but even more exciting not that anyone is more exciting than you my love um is that tonight we have the incredible honor of having the incredible Matt Aaron on our podcast tonight. So I'm going to read you a little bit of a bio about Mr. Matt here because he is pretty incredible. He is a witch, a professional psychic, and a cult teacher. He is the multi-award winning author of the international best-selling book, Psychic Witch, A Metaphysical Guide to Meditation, Magic, and Manifestation. He is a high priest in the sacred fires tradition of witchcraft. He's a psychic witch. Matt had had the honor and the privilege of studying under some of the most prominent witchcraft teachers, elders, and witchcraft tr traditions. He runs the blog for For Puck's Sake, which is awesome. If you're not familiar with For Puck's Sake, definitely take a look at that. Um, and Pathios Pagan. Uh, he is also a content creator for Modern Witch and has a column in Witches and Pagans magazine entitled Extrasensory Witchcraft and a column in Horns magazine. He has been featured in magazines, radio shows, podcast books, anthologies, other periodicals. He's amazing. Uh, he's also super dashing, very handsome, very kind individual. Uh, and I am so happy to have him here tonight on Conversational Witchcraft so we can all get to know him a little bit better. Matt, welcome. Thank you for being here. We're so excited to see you. Thanks for having me, Don. And this is great because I've been missing New England a little bit. So now I kind of feel a little bit like I'm, you know, for quarantine pandemic terms, it's almost yeah. like being there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I could the turn the camera around and you could see the outside uh, and that it's still fucking cold here. Is there snow still? <laughs> Thank goodness, no. No, I think actually it, the last of it melted like, I think Friday. Yeah. No. So, so up, up until very recently, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, last I week, I think. But I don't miss the snow at all. <laughs> it's New England, so you, we could get a blizzard in April. You know, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't count our chickens on that until like the end of May. If we hit Mother's Day without a snowstorm, I'll be, I'd be thrilled. I'd be thrilled. Now you're out in California now, right? I am. Yes. So which are you, northern, south, southern? So kind of like central, northern, like Bay Area. Ooh, very so not San Francisco, but in that area. Very nice. And how, how is that different? Like, especially as a witch, like not having the four seasons and not seeing that change in mother nature, how does that affect you as a person and as a witch? Like I can't live somewhere where there's no seasons. Like I couldn't. So, um, I'm naturally, uh, from California. Like I'm a California native. I, I mean, that sounds that. weird. Like I'm not like a native native, but I'm from California naturally. So I never adjusted 
to New England. Oh. Um, oh. So it's actually kind of nice to be back. Um, I have not had the opportunity to be outside and in nature much as much as I want to. Like I miss the beaches, you know, I miss the redwoods. So I'm excited for when I can do those things, yeah. uh, when the world returns back to normal. Um, but yeah, the energy is very, very different um, in the West Coast versus the East Coast. Yeah. And that's something I knew before even coming back to California. Um, just the energy of the forests themselves are completely different to me. Yeah, yeah. And and well, the foliage is different and the, the water is different. And, you know, everything is I, I, I spent a, the tiniest bit of time in California a few years ago. What, three weeks, three weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I did um, I did a television show and I was out there for three weeks before I got sent home and I did get sent home. Um, uh, and, and I was in L.A. and, and it was not the vibe for me. Um, but then two years ago, we spent some time in Pacific Northwest and that was mind blowing, like one of my favorite places in the whole world now, like Oregon. One of the favorite places I've ever lived was in Mariposa, which is the first place you're allowed to live in outside of Yosemite, unless you actually work in the park, then I think like you can live in like a hotel or something. Um, But amazing. Like I refer to it as like Mother Earth's cathedral because that's what it feels like. It just feels like um, more than any other place I've been to in nature, it just feels sacred. What do you think that is? I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's It's a magical place. It's everything. So like the biggest thing that I noticed, um, at least for me and differences of like the forest energy is New England has a very like, um, the best I can describe it is it feels very like middle world reaching underworld. Like there's kind of like a a, a very strong like fey energy for Mm -hmm. lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. And it's very like um, kind of dark and spooky and like, you know, like me and Christopher used to always go on, um, like walks through the forest yeah and we'd always get lost yeah and like he he's like it's so weird like I never get lost but every time I'm with you I get lost and to me that like encapsulates the energy of that whereas like the redwoods to me it feels very much like middle world reaching upper world like it's very like cathedral is the word that I that comes to mind because that's what it feels like energetically reaching to the heavens with these giant trees and there's so much air and there's mountains and everything i can see that because everything is is waterfalls yeah everything is like majestic and upward and it's funny because i i I can definitely see what you're saying about new england right being sort of underworldy and that the connectivity is for me anyway, I don't know if you feel the same way about living in New York, because we're originally from New York. So mm. um, where we're from, there's not a lot of natural nature. And what I mean by that is like everything is sort of like a park or, um, you know, it's sectioned off. It's not like just walking into the woods. You, there's really only a handful of places that, that are easily accessible to do that. And you don't want to go there. Um, but here in New England, it, it, there is that feeling of like that rooting very mm-hmm. rooting, very grounding, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Um, and and now that you say that about being on on uh, on the West Coast, I can totally get what you're saying about that being more of a of an uplifting or um, like almost like for me, I feel like you know, crown chakra 
kind of energy here. Do you think that that's, do you feel the same way about like the the nature here, like being underworldy? Yeah, it definitely feels a little bit darker here, which is great for me. She loves that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to remember when we were out in Portland, um, the vibe I felt there, but that was such a different thing. And I I was not concentrating at all. Yeah. Um, So like, I personally don't really remember yeah. what it felt like besides just fun. Just fun. Um, but yeah, but here, no, it definitely feels more darker, more, you know, rooting and, you know, kind of almost introspective. Yeah, I, definitely shadowy for sure. Um, so do you feel like um, your your magical personal practice changes with that mood or uh, or that vibe? Or do you feel like the way you practice you know, in New England or the way you practiced uh, by Yosemite and the way you're practicing now um, in California, like, are they the same or how have they changed? Um, Yes and no, but I don't know if location really has anything to do with that. Um, My practice is always kind of evolving and um, I like to think it's upgrading. Um, So like what I did in Yosemite, like years and years back versus what I did in New England versus what I do now, um, it's sort of like an evolution. And I don't know if it has so much to do with the land itself. Um, Like I said, I haven't had the opportunity to really like connect with nature because that's a totally different like magical experience, you know, versus like being in this house. And I'm I'm fortunate because I live with three other, you know, witches that are published authors. Yeah, it's like the house of witches that you live in. There needs to be a (laughs) reality show about you guys. Everyone says that. Seriously, Everyone. seriously. And and I think that it would be kind of like, you know, the real house witches of <laughs> California. Like you, it would be all you guys and you'd all be in like fuzzy slippers and robes drinking wine and casting spells. Like that's just, is that, is that totally off or is that exactly what happens on a Saturday night? No, I mean, um, I think fuzzy robes, that's more storm <laughs> than <Yeah>. any of us. <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, like, this whole house is full of altars. Um, We all have our own personal magic that we're doing constantly. Um, And every now and then, like, we'll come together and do something, like, as a group. Um, But for the most part, like, we're all sort of our own autonomous, wild creatures doing our own magic, which is all different. Um, And that's been an interesting experience, too. Um, Just living with people who have... um, different magical practices um even if they're in the same tradition or whatever like it feels almost like um each person is like their grand wizard of their own world right they're doing their own thing and it's really interesting to see how um like uh when Chaz is casting magic versus when Devin is versus when Storm is versus when I am it's all totally different like flavors of energy I wonder um, I wonder what that's like to actually like to be a fly on the wall in that right and that you have all these like solitary people in each of your rooms casting different spells and I wonder how the energy from one interacts with energy from the other and if they ever clash or can you feel it coming out like you feel it coming out of Devin's room that you're like oh he's doing this again it's messing with my that you know well I don't know if it's like um interfering like I don't think any of our magic interferes with each other that I've noticed um and I think a part of that is just that none of us are sloppy spellcasters <laughs> right you're like it needs to stay in this circle right here it, it is interesting because Devin is very very psychic um and he's a very uh 
talented medium. And so like, um, there's certain things where like, I'll be, I'll feel super validated. Like um, he, he was like, oh, at like, I don't know what magic you were doing last night, but like around two or 3 a.m. the house was full of like these serpent creatures. And I was like, oh yeah, I was doing my experiments with the Gorgons <laughs> like exactly right. around right. 2 a.m. Yeah. So for me, you know, I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know? like, yes, it's, it's definitely happening. So yeah, external validation. Yeah, uh, external validation. Verification. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, is there ever a time where you're both uh, working in the psychic realm, you know, um, connecting with the other side or something along those lines, connecting with spirit, and you get messages for him, he gets messages that are meant for you? Like, does that ever happen? Um, um, I've worked with some psychics before. I, not psychic, not not psychic. You, you are psychic. Well, You're I mean, all. like everybody's a little, but like it's not my practice, right? It's mm -hmm. not. I could tell when he's upset about something. That's really it's the end. I could tell like he's had a bad day or like he needs a, che a grilled cheese sandwich. That's pretty I mean, easy like, though. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty obvious. Usually needs a grilled cheese <laughs> sandwich. Uh, but that's my magic, right? I could guarantee like this is what you need to eat right now to make you feel better. That's my magic. But I'm not in any way other than that psychic. But I have worked with psychics before. Or I've been somewhere... Obviously, we travel in a lot of the same circles. So, you know, you wind up around people that have these abilities. And uh, maybe you're there for a reading or something or at an event where there's readings going on. And someone will pick up something from me that's meant for a friend or a friend's message that's meant for me. Does that happen living in close proximity with someone who is also a psychic medium? Um, no. And I think because we're all very good with our boundaries. That's got to be that, that boundary has got to be a real skill that you've really worked hard on. Yeah. And I, I discuss it in the book um, that came from working in Salem as a professional reader in October for so many years. Yeah. Uh, because it's almost like uh, for the people who haven't been to Salem in October, it's like the best a shit show. It's the best it, worst thing ever. Yeah. Like I remember the first year that I did it um, and I was reading and a lady came in for a reading and she, I guess, had been waiting for a long time. And she's like, Jesus, this is like a psychic sweatshop for you guys or something. <laughs> and I just started busting up laughing because that's what it felt like. Yeah. It's just one after another after yeah. another, yeah. sometimes 11 hours straight, yeah. you know. Absolutely. Um, so like what would happen from that is I would find that like when I would have a chance um, to have a break or I would be off work, I would start reading everyone. Like I just couldn't you can't shut it shut off. It yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had to teach myself like how can I just as, you know, like people trained to turn it on, like how can I train myself to turn it off? Yeah. Um, and what I do is I use the whole uh uh, psychic prompt or trigger I the Pavlov's dog thing you know but I do it in reverse so I have my trigger to tell me that a session is starting you know I'm tuned in mm -hmm. which is my little ring right so when this is on I'm not reading anyone if I take it off that's my Pavlovian trigger that I'm reading when I put it back on I'm not reading anyone because it's also like having done this professionally for so long it's work too oh, like God, I don't yeah. want to oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, whenever you take something that is your your passion or your skill and you turn it into something that you're getting paid for, it's work. And when people need you to do that for them, it, it, you're providing a service. I think oftentimes, um, especially in, in our circles, that can get um, 
people don't really understand that you, as a psychic, you're providing a service, right? You are uh, uh, there to to literally be the conduit. Um, and it's a job. It's a job. And it takes energy and it takes uh, power of will. And it, it you know, just to, to show up like it would be to show up to any other job, whether you're, you know, punching a time clock or, you know, doing psychic readings, it's hard work. Um, and I don't think people that are always on the receiving end of that reading understand the hard work that it is, especially when you're doing like rapid fire. I mean, Salem in, in October is no joke. Um, even any of the, I mean, that's the, that's the worst of it. I mean, and I've worked down in Salem every single year. You know, and I think that's true for any job. I yeah. don't think it's just psychic readings. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand what something is like until they do it. Um, writing books is exactly the same. Yep. Like a lot of people don't understand what goes into like writing a book. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it applies to other professions as well. Um, but people don't understand with psychic readings specifically, like how emotionally exhausting it is you know oh yeah because especially you're going into very intimate personal things with people you know and just that alone um is taxing you know psychiatrists go through the same thing where they they get that like emotional fatigue and they teach themselves to you know not be attached to it yeah creating those um Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say boundaries. Boundaries is important, but shields, right? Putting, mm -hmm. creating your shields and making sure like you have these um, methods for putting them up and taking them down. And, and again, like you said, in any profession, I think where you're interacting with people, you need to have, you have to shield yourself from, from their energy when you don't want to take it in. Right. So um, that must be exceptionally difficult in an environment like in Salem in October. I mean, how many times have we worked down in Salem and just what, what I'm doing is out there, you know, selling olive oil and meeting people and, you know, wh whatever it is that we're doing for Kachina Aurora. And even just that, by the end of the day, you're, you're taking in all the energy and you're interacting with all those people. It's, it's a big ass job. Um, so for those of you that can't see, cause, uh, if you don't, if you're not looking at this, you're not watching this video, the ring that you mentioned, it looks like it's hematite. Yeah. It's just a simple hematite ring and it could be anything. Like the whole point is that like, I have psychologically established a trigger that yeah. tells me psychologically that like, I'm not reading right. or mm -hmm. I am reading. Yeah. Right, right. That must be incredibly, incredibly helpful. And you, and this is all discussed in his amazing book, The Psychic Witch, which uh, at the beginning, before we started recording, I was saying to Matt that um, I'm a baby podcaster and I'm, I'm really new to this. And he said, well, I'm a baby author. And I said, well, sir, you're killing it because he is killing it with this book. Uh, it's selling like freaking crazy. I've got my copy. Um, and I'm not a psychic witch. So this is not a subject matter that I generally study, but it's just so well written and it's so easy to follow. Um, and I think that's something that's important for people that are looking for this kind of information is that for me, especially the way I write is relatable. You know, I want it to feel like you're having a conversation with me. Sometimes when you get into books like this, they can be really read like stereo instructions and yours does not, which is refreshing. I think was that intentional? That was completely intentional. Um, I 
wanted a book that was like you could go into it not knowing anything about witchcraft or psychic ability yep um and it starts you off with like the baby steps and then dives into kind of more meteor more theoretical more advanced kind of work by the time you get to the end mm-hmm. um but i wanted my main goal is to teach the person you know and i think that um to be able to teach something well you have to be able to explain it in simple terms and um, I don't think people understand how difficult that can be, yeah. especially yep. when we're so used to like metaphorical jargon and, you know, occult terminology. And one of the best pieces of advice I got while writing the book um, came from Christopher Penzak, who got it from Raven Gramassi, which was to always explain everything, like never take for granted. Like, so if you're saying a wand, you know, Um, say by a wand, I mean, you know, a magically empowered uh, stick that is symbolic of directing my will. Correct. You know, don't assume that they know what a wand means when you say it. Yeah. And and to explain things as if you're talking to like a four-year-old, like not to dumb things down, but to make them, like you said, accessible, right? We could sit and we could have these huge conversations and, and, you know, like you said, in occult terminology and all of that, but that may alienate people right. who, who are interested. And I feel like, and I'm sure you feel like, and I'm sure you feel like, um, the pagan path is for everyone and there's different levels, right? So that's how I feel is that you can, um, you can experience this path and you can practice witchcraft to the extent of which you want and you're comfortable. So like you said, you can't take for granted that everybody knows what you're talking about. You know, even even as simple as like I'm giving a class on kitchen or food magic and I'm talking about, well, you're putting your energy in this. And then I'm like, okay, wait, by energy, I mean, right? right. You have to do that. You absolutely, absolutely must do that. So- and it- It's always those really simple questions and terms that are the hardest. It's like anytime someone asks me, well, what is a witch? You know, it's like, (laughs) you know, that's such a big thing to try to answer, to like do it justice, you know, and it means different things to different people. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that becomes something that, um, I, I, I get asked very often, um, because by the nature of my business and by the nature of my my witchcraft, my paganism, I cross the line between the magical and the, and the mundane world all the time. So we, you have people come up to you in a Whole Foods who are buying a bottle of olive oil and go, what are you, some kind of witch? And I'm like, well, yes. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm like, ugh, how do I explain this so, so Susie Soccer Mom understands what I'm talking about and it's non-threatening? Well, that's the trick, isn't it? Because it's, like Matt said, it's, it's simplifying it, but yes. it's simplifying it in a certain way. It's not so like like the, the wand example is actually really good yeah. because you can't say, go get a stick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It has right. to be simple enough that they understand, sim- simple enough and phrased accurately enough so that they understand immediately what you mean mm-hmm. and what the intention is behind it. I'm sure we, we've all read instruction manuals of one kind or another, be it magical or otherwise, where you get the instruction and someone simplifies it, but they oversimplify and simplify too much yeah. and don't give you, like they may give you the bare bones, like this is stick, but not the underlying, imp- not, like not the weight of it. So like, yes, I know that this this does a thing, but I don't know why. So I that that then does not help you move on to the next step of how to use said thing. So in order, yeah, it's, you know, basically... To sum up Matt's <laughs> Matt's explanation in a much longer way, yeah. 
And that's why we have I eat not some up. <laughs> in occultism and witchcraft, um, we also have this blessing and curse in regards to our terminology yeah. where we we can use a word and mean something totally different depending on your tradition and background. Yeah. Um, the best example that comes to mind is the word familiar. So to some people, that is your fucking cat, right? Like your literal cat. To some people, it's a spiritual ally of any sort. To some people, you know, it is a specific type of like imp type ally, yeah. like going back to kind of more the trad crafty, you mm-hmm. know, and then to some people, it's sort of like an equivalent of like a holy guardian angel, you know, uh, like a very special spirit. Um, so, you know, you can't just say familiar to even a witch and just assume that they know exactly what you're talking about. Because if you're talking about this grand angelic entity, mm-hmm. you know, and they're thinking about like Salem from Sabrina. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that I feel that way about my cat, but whatever. I'm not gonna. But but I agree with you 100%. I really love that the, the way that you phrase that because the truth is, uh, you know, I mean, there's, you, I my opinion is that there you can have um, all of those, right? So you could have all or none or a handful where you can have your cat that is your, your familiar as your companion, your companion familiar. And then you can have your plant spirit familiar. And then you can have your angelic being that, that, um, as you said, that that uh, special entity, that yeah. uh, almost like a guardian or someone that's with you or an energy that's with you all the time. And I feel like there can be, you know, one of the things that I'm working on is um, basically like food totems, right? So so this food, almost like this thing, this ingredient, this, this um, edible ingredient, a tomato, an avocado, something like that, that is something that is part of you because of the energy that it that it uh, provides that you connect with that energy, right? So I think that that word familiar is a perfect example of what you're talking about, how it can mean so many things to different people or so many different things to one person. Right. And I I don't mean that like any one definition is correct or Mm -hmm. wrong, you know, just that like we can take words for granted, um, even within our own, you know, larger community of you know, witches. Yeah. (laughs) Witches. Um, Okay. So we're going to take a quick break um, so that we can uh, have a little bit of word from our amazing sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about psychic witch. Okay. So here we go, taking a break and we'll be back in a couple seconds. Hey guys, are you loving this podcast, learning all about witchcraft, spirituality, and paganism? Check out my friends over at That Witch Life Podcast. Such a fun podcast. I've been on it myself. Great, great people over there. Tons of information. Uh, Really a lighthearted look at what it means to be a modern witch in the Pacific Northwest specifically. That Witch Life podcast is hosted by three lifelong best friends. Talking Living as a Witch in Today's World, hosted by witchcraft author Courtney Weber, who you'll know because she's amazing and she's been a guest on this show. Uh, Kanani Soleil, who is, uh, they also call her the soccer mom Morticia. Um, And of course, the magical performance artist, Hilary Whitmore. 
Each week, they interview experts from the witchcraft community worldwide and explore real spells, spooky pop culture, and hilarious magical mishaps. Honestly, if you listen to the three of them chat before they interview their guest on every episode, you will be peeing in your pants. It is a hilarious good time filled with magic and practical application uh, of, of living as a witch today. You're going to love it. You can check out some episodes right now. They've got a uh, recent guests have been uh, Rachel True from The Craft, Helen Garcia, who you might know from The Great British Baking Show, one of my favorites, and of, co- of course, the fabulous uh, Miss Stormy Daniels talking all about her uh, paranormal um, investigations, which is so cool. Learned so much about Miss Stormy Daniels in that episode. Check them out, thatwitchlife.com. That which life podcast they have new episodes every monday wherever you listen to podcasts guys i have just got to tell you about the robin's nest if you're unfamiliar with the robin's nest let me tell you a little bit about one of my favorite shops this is a full service premier metaphysical shop here in new england They offer everything from gifts to custom-made crafted potions and wares, magical and ritual items, divination materials, candles, crystals, uh, spiritually designed clothing, uh, ritual wear, books, incense, tarot, oracle decks, and most of all, more importantly, they offer friendship, creativity, and community. This shop is owned by one of my favorite people in the world, Robbie Packard, um, and she is a high priestess. She is a th- helping foster a thriving pagan community with kindness and compassion. She is just the most amazing person, and her shop and everything in it reflects her love of community and craft. You will not find a more welcoming space to learn, to grow in your spiritual practice. Everything the Robin's Nest does is within intention of love and bringing community together. Although the shop is located in Bellingham, Massachusetts, you can find them online at therobinsnestma.com. That's therobinsnestma.com. They're offering tons of online rituals, uh, workshops, classes, tons of stuff to get you involved, to broaden your mind and help you on your spiritual journey. Uh, Check them out, therobinsnestma.com. You will not be sorry that you did. I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. Uh, we are back. You pulled that out of my mind. I did. I. Yeah. I just pulled it. Out. Uh, we are back on the Kuchina Aurora Kitchen Witchery Podcast with conversational witchcraft with the fabulous Matt Oren, the author of Psychic Witch. Okay, so Matt, why this book? Right. So this is your first book, and obviously, as we talked about, it's awesome. It's doing great. It's being printed in like a bazillion different languages. Uh, it's selling like crazy. Um, and, and like even just holding it in your hand, like hold that. It just feels wonderful. Doesn't feel good. I, I don't know. I love, I know you have a thing about owls, so we could get into that later. Um, but why your first book 
psychic witch. Why? Well, I think it's the book that needed to be written. So in my um, introduction, like I, or not my introduction, my dedication, I dedicate it to four different people that I feel were very important figures on my path. Mm-hmm. And one of them was Christopher Penzak. Mm-hmm. And then in, in that the part, wonderful, like, amazing Christopher Penzak. Yeah. Let's just, um, in yeah. that part, you know, I'm like, this book is sort of my love letter to the inner temple of witchcraft, which just recently came out with its 10 year anniversary yeah. or 20 year 20, anniversary. 20 year t- reprinting. It's beautiful. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it's uh, the work that I learned from him, along with the work that I've learned from other places and the stuff that I developed. Um, Because I find with a lot of witchcraft books, you know, not so much the inner temple, not so much power of the witch, you know, stuff of, of that very small niche within witchcraft, there isn't an emphasis on energy work. There isn't an emphasis on, you know, working on those psychic abilities before you touch magic, you know? Um, So I have found a lot of people, especially beginners, you know, the younger beginners that are starting are like getting caught up on the tools and getting caught up on like going through the motions or just saying the words and not understanding that like, um, just like we were talking about uh, with with a wand, right? Like if you go out and get a stick, like it's a stick, you know. Right. <laughs> um, there's something you do to the stick that makes it a wand. Um, so the whole focus is on energy work, because in my opinion, psychic ability and witchcraft or magic. I, I go with magic for that because it's more generic and uh, broad outside of the path of witchcraft. Um, they're two sides of one coin and a lot of people don't realize that. So like if magic is like casting and manipulating energy, then psychic ability is perceiving that energetic information instead of sending it out. And everyone is psychic. And, you know, a lot of people say that they aren't psychic, like Don, you know, but then they come back from the commercial break and Brian being like, oh, you just pulled that from my head. (laughs) You know, like part of it is just allowing yourself to be psychic. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have sort of a grand idea of what being psychic entails. Um, and they sort of, a lot of, uh, people, including psychics use the term gift that like, Mm -hmm. I have a gift. I was born with a gift. This is a gift. And I think that is like bullshit language. Like, you know, it's a gift (laughs) in the sense of like, it's a gift that I can speak, you know, it's a gift that like I'm here, but it's work. It's something that like, you know, you develop and you put time and energy into, and it's, it's, you know, um, a lot of that has to deal with societal programming of how we view psychic ability in general, but also how we perceive the world. So I start off the book really trying to focus on like giving yourself a permission slip to be psychic and just sort of allowing yourself to play and not be worried if you're right or wrong, you know, but just to, to immerse yourself into that. Um, One of my first exercises in the book, I think it's like number two or three or something like that, maybe even number one, um, was based on a workshop that I used to do, which is I would put two people in front of each other um, and I would have them pretend that they were the most powerful psychic ever, right? Like they're Miss Cleo on steroids. Ice Miss Cleo. (laughs) Yeah. And then I would say, you know, the point of this is not to be right or wrong. You know, you're just being silly. Allow yourself to be silly. Allow yourself to be wrong, but read the person in front of you. 
And people surprise themselves when they just let themselves be wrong and they let themselves kind of immerse into that character. Yeah. Um, so I, I think a lot of it is societal programming. One of the things that I um, came across when, when researching this book and I put into the book, because um, it was like a weird little rabbit uh, hole I went down, um, because from my training with Christopher and his training with Lori, you know, there's a strong emphasis on the alpha brainwave uh, state of consciousness, mm -hmm. which is where psychic ability occurs in altered states. So I went down the rabbit hole of like finding the science of that and like where we're, you know, and, and there is science behind it. Um, but what I found interesting um, in a different kind of rabbit hole is that children around the age of like seven-ish, I think it's seven, mm -hmm. um, before seven years old, they primarily operate in the alpha brainwave state. But then something happens at seven years old where they snap into beta. So what I found that was really interesting is that parallels with child development psychology. Sure. Because it's around that age that they start becoming super conscious and aware that people have expectations of them and that they have to act a certain way for people to like them and accept them. Amazing. I just uh, I, I just began reading a, a new book called... Um... Think Like a Monk. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Um, and it's not, not a witchcraft book. I'm very much into my in my personal time. Um, I, I read a lot of um, leadership books. I read a lot of neuroscience books. Like I love neuroscience and learning how the brain works, which is crazy because like I'm not, I, I was a terrible student and I failed out of everything. But as an adult, I am fascinated by neuroscience. And one of the things, uh, this is more of like a combination of what you're talking about, like sort of the the spiritual meets the the scientific. And one of the things, this quote that I just can't stop thinking about, which I'm going to totally get wrong, okay, is like <laughs> totally going to get it wrong. It is, um, I don't, I, I'm, I don't think, therefore I am, and I don't, I don't exist because you think I exist. I exist in the way that I think you think I am. Right. So I exist in the way that I think you think I am. So this is what you're talking about is that at seven or eight years old, we start realizing that other people think we're supposed to be a certain way. And so that we live our entire lives, whether it's our appearance or our jobs or our relationships or the choices of the cars that we drive, whatever it is, with the veil of expectation that we are supposed to be this way, do that thing, have this thing, what is success, what is accomplishment. So to take that idea of this, like you said, the science of child psychology and boil that down into learning how to be a psychic or learning how to tap into your psychic ability, the expectation of that's something you should do, could do, can't do, oh, it's crap, oh, it's not real, oh, that's silly. Those expectations that get put on us as children become barriers to our spiritual, psychological, professional development. So it makes perfect sense when relating to psychic ability, right? Like you said, I just said, oh, I'm not psychic, <laughs> you know, but we all have that little ability within us. And if that had been nurtured from a much younger age, right? If it wasn't so common to say, oh, that doesn't exist or, oh, that, you know, whatever the mainstream says about it, 
do you think that we would have so many more people who are able to read each other, able to feel each other's emotions, able to communicate on a deeper level if we didn't have those barriers? I, I absolutely do. Um, and I think um, it's interesting because it seems like, like I don't have data on me to back this up, but it seems like as a culture, like we're becoming less attached to experiences that people used to claim they had, you know, as an everyday occurrence, like even looking at like religious texts, you know, like where it's just sort of like common, like I ran into the spirit and da, 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 you know, like we don't have that even, you know, going back to like fairy lore and stuff, you know, like um, the fairies were a very real thing that people encountered. And that was a very, you know, real thing that they had to ward themselves from and like ally with and distance and Mm -hmm. stuff of that nature. Um, So just out of speculation, you know, I would assume that may have something to do with um, society and societal. Yeah. And, And I think too, in different parts of the world, right? Because there are parts of the world, again, just bringing up fairies, for example, if you go to Ireland, uh, the people are, very aware of fairy energy. People are still having those interactions, having those experiences, making those offerings, you know, uh, doing those things in daily life to make sure that they're keeping their fairies or their spirits or, or their, you know, nature happy. They're doing those things. I think here we have kind of lost that um, experience. I think it's also about like levels of what we're allowed to perceive. So like, um, I'm a big Bjork fan, like huge Bjork fan. Like my email address is still a reference to her from like high school. Yeah. I noticed Uh, that in your email address and I was like, wow. Okay. No judgment um, here. She was, uh, when she was promoting an album, when the Colbert show was still a thing, she came on it and she did a performance. And then afterwards they do an interview and Stephen Colbert jokingly was like, so you people actually like referring to like people from Iceland, like, so you people actually believe in like elves and fairies and stuff like that. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, like, you know, um, it's just, you know, a thing like it's it's about our respect and our relationship with nature and he uh she's like but don't you people believe in ghosts right and you know because that's not as big of a thing over there and Stephen Colbert is like oh well yeah of course ghosts are real I mean we've got shows on it hunting them and you know little green cameras right so I think part of it is also about like because in American society because of our media and stuff um and our overarching religion, um, the idea of a ghost is a lot more acceptable than the idea of, you know, a fairy. And I think um, that idea of expectations and more the permission slip of what you're allowed to experience is a big factor in that culturally. I think that is is very, very important um, when it comes to any kind of energy work, right? Energy work, witchcraft, paganism, that allowing yourself to um, let go of other people's expectations and be who you are, feel what you feel and have the experiences spiritually um, that feel right for you. Uh, I think that is not... Um, specific to and I love that you're putting it of the in the lens of psychic practice psychic witchcraft in your book and I love that you're addressing that but I feel like that's a bigger lesson I feel like there's a a lesson there in terms of who we are as human beings as pagans as witches um people that that maybe 
need that permission, right? To just be who you are. And if we were able to do that in all areas of our spiritual lives and personal lives, um, I think, I think we'd all be happier and, and better off. I mean, I just, yeah. so it's like life lessons you're teaching here, Matt, life lessons. Well, and that's, that's why, you know, in that exercise, I put such a strong emphasis on like, don't worry about being right. Don't worry yeah. about being wrong, you know, because that expectation that clicks in that whole, you know, society inner kind of getting in your own way. Yeah. Um, and that's something I actually picked up from Lori Cabot's um, training with Lori Cabot. Um, because when she does the health scans in W1, you have to do that to pass. Like you have to successfully do a health scan and everyone does it. Um, and I know that was for Christopher, that was his big aha moment with witchcraft, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but with that, she has the rule that the other, the person being read cannot say no. They cannot say the word no, because, you know, as soon as you say no, the person just shuts down. And one of the, the big uh, lessons I learned from reading at Enchanted and reading next to Lori and, you know, I kind of got to like pick up on some of her stuff and I could come and ask her questions, yeah. you know, specifically about her readings. And one of the things I got is because a lot of times like you'll read someone and they'll be like, oh, no, 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 you know, and like Lori, Lori, Lori is Lori. And she's been doing this since like forever. Yes. Right. The beginning so she of will time. straight up tell them like, no, you're you're wrong. Right. Like I'm right. <laughs> right. You're coming to me because I know things yes. that you don't. Mm -hmm. And the perfect illustration of that. Um, I don't think I put it in my book, but my real big aha moment of really trusting myself was I had a lady come in and she wanted to know about her son. And normally I'm very like, eh, I don't read, you know, other people that are adults, but like something was telling me just do it, you know? So I listened to that and I'm doing the reading and, you know, I'm picking up that there's strong addiction. Right. And my eyes keep going to like all the swords and it starts doing that kind of, um, more scrying thing as opposed to like being like six of swords means this but like all the swords started looking like needles to me and my arms started getting really really tired and weird feeling right wow um, and i was getting tired and so i you know i'm kind of like dancing around it, as you do just to make sure if they can handle it and i was like you know i feel like there may be a heroin addiction here connected to needles and she's like no Absolutely not. Like he is petrified of needles. He would never do any needles. Da, 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 da. Like she ended up being so upset with me that she went and she got a refund, you know, because she threw a fit and then left. And like, okay, well, whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, can't win them all. Right. Um, you know, and I told her, you know, I was like, well, just put it in your pocket. Like if it doesn't make sense now, just kind of hold on to it. Right. You know, I could be wrong. I'm not God. Um, the next year she came in and she's like, do you remember me? And I'm like, I don't remember you. Sorry. You know? <laughs> you're like one of 600. That I saw um, in one day, right? Like yeah, 600 people right. a day. I don't remember your face. Yeah. She told, she reminded me of the reading and she said when she got home, cause her son was living with her, she went into his room and started going through his drawers and she found the <gasps> needles and the heroin oh. and she was able to get him into rehab right away. Wow. Uh, so she she was like you know I will listen to you I've told all my friends to come to you you know but there's this lesson of like you know um if you if someone says no you're wrong that's completely inaccurate uh, for a lot of people the average person that isn't you know like 
um, trusting their ability, you know, that'll shut them down. They'll yeah. start doubting themselves, yeah. you know, and it just cuts them off completely. Cause in my experience, the, the, the biggest obstacle is ourselves. Sure. And that's why there's such an emphasis on meditation in my book and such an emphasis of getting to know how your mind works. So you can figure out, you know, what is fantasy and what is something that you're genuinely receiving yeah. and just being able trust yourself. It's so important. You know, as I said before, uh, uh, psychic witchcraft, psychic readings, things like that are never things that I've, that I've studied. They're never things that I've thought I want to go down this path and explore this more. Um, however, I'm going to tell you my story. And I don't know if anybody even knows this story. I think you know it, but I don't think I've told the story to anybody else. Um, so I told you earlier, Justin and I originally from New York. And when we moved uh, up to New England, Justin was still living in New York. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he was down there. He, cause I got a job. He didn't get a job. So for like two months. Yeah. Two months. About two months. Yeah. We were not together. I was living in Massachusetts by myself, no friends. This was before I met Christopher, before I really was a member of the temple. Um, I had met people at some events, but I wasn't friends with anybody. Uh, I, I didn't have a GPS. This is like 10 years ago, 12 years ago. So I didn't, I knew how to get to like my job and the grocery store and that was all I knew how to do and there was a local shop that uh I happened upon and I was dying to meet friends and and finally minded people and uh they had a, a psychic development class and it was on a night that I was free and I'm like, what the hell all right it's 20 bucks I'm gonna go and maybe meet some nice people and uh, that's it I didn't really think anything of it and I went to this class and I got into this super deep meditative state. I tend to meditate deep and hard quickly. So like when I go down into meditation, I'm there, you know, um, it doesn't take me a long time to get there. Um, and I went down into this meditation and I got super deep into it. And then it was just a group of people, right? So the, the instructor brought us out of the meditation into this, you know, trance state and then just basically was like, just read the room, feel what you feel, right? And with no expectation whatsoever, I had this vision of a woman who was wearing like an apron and she was walking out of a barn and she was feeding chickens. And I kept seeing her like feeding chickens and, and she looked just like this other woman that was in the class. Um, and, and, you know, I'm like, this is just, this is so, so weird. So, the, you know, I was the, the new person and they go around at the end and they're like, you know, did anybody see you want to share? Do you want to say? And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to, I don't, well, this is, I, this means what could this, this lady's feeding chickens. I don't want to. And, uh, so the, the instructor looks at me and she's like, you, you have something to say. You saw something, didn't you? I was like, no, <laughs> I didn't see, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And, Eventually, I told her what I saw, and this woman in the class starts hysterical crying. She's like, that's my mother. She's like, that's my mother. We looked exactly alike. She passed away six months ago. She lived on a farm, and every morning, her and I would go outside and feed the chickens, and the apron that you described was her wearing this apron. And I was like, oh, my effing God. I never in a million years would have thought that I could have had that vision or, or whatever. Um, and, and again, that goes back to like allowing yourself the space to, to see that. And like you said, don't, who cares if you might be wrong, you still have to share that, you know? So I thought I was losing my mind 
And this, and, and yet having this, this vision helped this lady in some way. So, um, the expectation, as we were talking about before, the expectation of just allowing yourself to feel it, I think is, is so important. Yeah. And, you know, um, we practice witchcraft and I think the same is true with psychic ability and part of practice involves failure. It involves, you know, falling off your bike, you know, and getting back on. Um, It's just like in my book, like I've met so many people that are like, I can't meditate. My mind Mm -hmm. wanders, you know, and I'm like, that is meditation though. Like meditation, like when your mind wanders and you bring it back, that is the meditation. That is you focusing. It's like lifting a weight. You aren't yes. just like, oh, I, I can't lift it because it's heavy. You know, it's the point is to lift it because it's heavy. Right. Right. Um, right. And I think psychic ability is like that. So like, maybe you will be wrong. You know, I've been wrong in, in the past, you know, um, not right now, not you, you're ever not ever wrong now. now. <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously award-winning author, never wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Oracle of Delphi level. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Crap, are we gonna have to get you in a pool now? Like <laughs> get some fumes going. Some steam bath. I'm sorry. Matt's Matt's the Oracle right now. He's 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 in his steam. No, I think I think that's just uh awesome. And uh I wish we had like a bazillion more hours because this is really such a fun conversation. Um so I do wanna start wrapping up, but I have like one super fun question that I ask everyone. Okay. Uh, Because I'm a kitchen witch and this is a kitchen witchy thing. Obviously, I'm in my kitchen. Uh, So here's my question a signature question. As a kitchen witch, if you could have me cook you one magical meal, what would it be and why? Oh my God. I would probably have anything you would make me. Um. (laughs) But like your favorite meal, something that connects you with heritage or spirit or something you love that you haven't had in a million years. If you had to have a kitchen witch cook you a magical, magically infused meal, what would it be and why that dish or that meal? And, and don't read Justin's mind because he's just going to say sandwiches, sandwiches. Actually, if you hadn't asked him so quickly, I was going to jump in and say, what you, <laughs> if you were a sandwich, what would you be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I should add that one. If you were a sandwich, what would you be? You, you know, I don't know. Um, I enjoy all food. Um, I am not a picky eater, um, except for seafood. I, I don't do seafood. Um, partly allergy, partly like I just don't I got like that. It. Um, all the innuendo I could possibly throw there. I, Sorry. Yes. Inappropriate. Uh, that's low hanging fruit, though. I know. Uh, I, I know, but that's me. Yeah. I'll always um, go for the cheap joke. Sort of dessert, maybe like a cheesecake or oh. something. Because um, that kind of reminds me of my grandma for some reason. Really? Uh, yeah. And my grandma, it's interesting because she died when I was very, very young, like when I was like maybe four or five. And that's one of the things that like used to freak out my guardians because, you know, I didn't know her except a very young age. But then I would start describing things of her life or like interaction she had with other people. And it would kind of like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like we need to get this kid to church. You know? Yeah, that's going to help. <laughs> So cheesecake, like um, like a New York style, Italian style cheesecake, cheesecake with fruit, cheesecake with a a crust on. Like what? 
What? What? Oh, God. Yeah, I, I know. Now I'm making you think about, and now my mouth is watering. <laughs> now you want cheesecake. Now I want cheesecake. <laughs> Any of it. I mean, like I've had your olive oil. So like, and I like, I am a mad. I love your olive oil. Oh, um, so we used to sell it at Enchanted and I would constantly be like, no, you don't understand. Like, this is the shit you need to have it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I would be like, if that's your fucking olive oil, <laughs> like I would be down for anything you make. There is a cheesecake recipe in my book. Uh, it's a, a, a strawberry swirl cheesecake and like you make it in a sheet pan so you could literally eat it with your hands. So that's that's a bonus. That's what I would have you make me. So are you asking this because you're gonna you're gonna send me a cheesecake? Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> possible. Question. It's possible. <laughs> I kind of had this idea that I would um, make uh, create recipes for each of my guests and post mm. the recipe that the guest inspired on the notes page of the blog of the of the podcast. Um, it's just very much like, like, oh, if I were to make a pizza, would you eat it? Like, yeah. Okay, just taking a poll. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, Where's my cheesecake? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's, I, I, if you weren't in California, I would make you a cheesecake. You know, when the world opens back up and you come to New England to visit all of your witches, I will make you a cheesecake. That's easy peasy. I'm going to hold you to that. Fuck yeah, man. We should, when, when the world is safe, we'll have a big witch party. We have a giant backyard. So we'll have a big witch party outside. We'll have a giant bonfire and I'll make all these recipes for all the witch friends. But, but we need a round table for the cheesecake so we can golden girls it. <laughs> I mean, I think that we'd have to have a couple of cheesecakes. We'd have, a, we'd have quite a few cheesecakes and everybody would eat it but me because I can't have lactose, which sucks. Oh. I'm a kitchen witch and I can't have lactose or gluten. So... What the That's fuck? half of the people who live here. Yeah, it's really, rough. but I, I have I've figured out ways to to get around it and still make things delicious. But I, I was thinking about making these like these recipes, and I feel like you know, I feel like I could make you like a blackberry cheesecake. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, like, that must be why. Because in your amazing book, um, you know, I noticed that you were very aware of like people's you know like gluten and. Yeah dairy and stuff of that nature and like I usually don't see that in books that are on kitchen witchery you know yeah it's just yeah I, I've no there's a book or two out there on kitchen witchery that is skewed vegan you know it's mm -hmm. all everything is kind of vegan which I feel is it, it, it's too niche it's a little too I feel like kitchen witchery is inclusive so inclusive it's yeah, everybody eats everybody creates food uh no matter what you practice, right? So it's it was my goal to make sure that it was as inclusive as possible um, and that no matter what your allergy was or no matter what your preference was in terms of could you eat meat, cheese, whatever, there is something in there. There's a recipe in there for you. So that was really important to me. So um, anyway, uh, cheesecake, a blackberry cheesecake, I think, for Matt Aron. That's what I think. Anyway, uh, before we go... I want to know what's next for you. Are you working on anything right now that we could get excited about? Or are we just super excited about this book and all of its success? I mean, you should be excited about any. No, I'm. I uh, am. I am. I am in crazy deadline mode. Yeah. And I'm probably going to have to extend my um, 
deadline again. Um, just because I want this book to be really, really good. Um, and I am sleep deprived at the moment because, you know, I'm in that mode of like, you know, 5am I'm still writing and thinking and stuff of that nature. Um, I haven't really told anyone what the book is Mm -hmm. and I'm keeping that close to me because Mm -hmm. it's a manifestation, you know, so until it's manifested, um, but it's, it's meant to be a companion as okay. sort of the next step. Excellent. To- Excellent. And uh, maybe when that comes out, we'll do this again. So you could tell us all about that. So for everybody who's out there listening, where can they find you? Where can they be in touch with you? Um, so I'm all over social media. I'm super easy to stalk. Um, it's you true. Know, well, I, stalk I have you. to watch my words now that like I'm, like you could actually get stalked. following. Yeah. Don't stalk me. Don't stalk me. Um, that's not literal. But I'm all over Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok, even. Mm-hmm. Um, just Matt Oren tends to be M A T A U R Y N. dot com for your website. That, yep. Yep. Matt Oren at. Uh, at mattarn.com that's your website um and then uh, on instagram uh on facebook uh it's mattarn official correct yes. um and all of this we're going to have on the notes of the show so everybody can go there click on the links check him out if you haven't gotten this book yet get it it's amazing um and he's so kind to be on the show matt thank you so much for being here we had thank a great you. time um you're awesome and i don't have a signed copy so when i what? see you I know. I don't. There's no. I will. I will mail you a sign. No, copy. no, 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 no. I will have you sign this one. This. One. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get your address. I'm gonna send you one. This is the one. So thank you a bazillion times. Uh, Justin and I had a really great time. Um, so thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, guys, thanks for joining us on Kachina Aurora Kitchen Witchery Podcast for conversational witchcraft. What a great time, Matt Oren. Thanks for being here, Justin. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, good time. Good time. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a wonderful night. And until next time, I leave you with uh, many blessings and so much gratitude. <laughs>